Hi and welcome to the Anti-People Pleasing Podcast. I'm your host, Jo Westwood, the Codependency Coach. Each week I'll be answering your questions on codependency, people pleasing and all things relationship related submitted to me via Instagram. Follow me on the gram at Jo Westwood to submit your questions in my stories every Monday. You can also click the link in the show notes to take you straight there. So my lovelies, let's begin. Okay, we are kicking off with kind of a fun one today, and our questioner wanted to stay anonymous for this one. So they asked, is it bad if one's partner resembles one of your parents in looks and mannerisms? I think my partner sort of looks a bit like my dad, and some of his mannerisms slash body language are the same. But I showed my mum a picture of him, and she did not notice or think that he looks like my dad, but she did think that he and I looked alike. I'm scared it's something I'm projecting onto my partner. P.S. I have checked and we are not immediate family. Okay, so in answer to this question, I'm going to say the word parent, but I'm using that as shorthand for parent, guardian or carer. And later on, I'm also going to use some niche and regional references. So to our questioner and our questioner only, if you don't know what these mean and would like more context, you can DM me. Everyone else can use the Googles. So I think in many ways, we underestimate how impactful our relationships with our parents are and how impactful it is for us to see them relating to other people. Our parents, carers or guardians are the oldest relationships that we have. They are the first examples of relating that we have, both relating to us and seeing them relating to each other and people outside of our immediate household bubble. Because they are the first examples we see of relationships, they are the ones who teach us what love looks like, both platonic, familial love and romantic love in the way that we see them relating to each other or their partners. Remembering that the best way to teach is to demonstrate, so we are constantly learning from our parents just by watching them. This also means that we are picking up on things that we like and don't like about the ways that they relate to us and relate to each other all through our lives. And depending on the particular flavour of our upbringing and how things were framed, explained and contextualised for us or not, depends on whether we are drawn to or repelled away from certain characteristics of our family. For some people, they pick up and are drawn to exactly what they saw in their family home. For others, they consciously push away from that. So that's a bit of a broader look at why our relationships with our parents affect us so much. But you asked specifically about mannerisms and looks here. I think it's quite interesting, actually, that you said your mom doesn't think your boyfriend looks like your dad, which speaks to the fact that you and your mom have completely different perceptions of your dad. So what your mum sees and notices in him is different to what you see and notice in him, which is good because for your mum, he is her romantic partner and for you, the bond is platonic and familial. So you are both looking at your dad through very different lenses and maybe the commonalities between your partner and your dad aren't actually as strong or as big of a deal as you think they are. It could be that you are hyper-focusing on these attributes in your partner and therefore making it feel weirder than it actually is. And now for the fun slash slightly embarrassing part, I'm going to share a couple of specific quirks of what I find attractive, particularly in men, 
that I can draw a pretty straight line to in my upbringing. So when I was young, I was very close to my dad. We are very alike in personality and humor because I was very heavily influenced by him. He spent a lot of time with me doing parenting duties, but also playing with me and teaching me all kinds of things. I was brought up in a working class home. And when I was very little, my dad was a coal miner and also quite often wearing overalls or dirty clothes around the house because he was always doing home improvements or fixing or tinkering with his cars. So I quite often saw him looking dirty. And for the majority of my young life, his hands were stained with ingrained coal dust. And now, guess what? It's kind of a weird quirk that I find attractive in men. If they do a working class job, especially in heavy industry, where they wear overalls to work, get their hands dirty and have to use Swarfiga to get clean. (laughs) It's very appealing to me. And just to clarify, no, I'm not talking about the tattooed lads that you see in Greg's with their Snickers on, making hip thrusting shirtless TikToks on their lunch breaks. I'm talking... Blokes who started their shift at 6am and come home with dirty hands and faces covered in soot, oil or coke dust, the black kind, not the white kind, that needs a good soak in a bath to remove it. So no judgment, but please don't DM me thinking we are the same if you are one of those hashtag Snickers drop knickers girls. Along with that, I also picked up quite a laddish sense of humour and sensibility in general from my dad and my working class environment growing up. So that is something that I appreciate and find attractive in people now. Look, as I said, it does feel a little bit embarrassing to admit these quirks on a podcast, but I want to help you through sharing my vulnerability and maybe also give you a bit of a laugh as you hear some of the more unusual intimate details of um, what I can find attractive in a person. Swarfiga, if you know, you know. And of course, this isn't because I fancy my dad lol (laughs) I just said that on my podcast I hope he never hears this but it's because I have long-standing and positive associations with those physical attributes and characteristics my dad was a role model for me in my young life of someone who was very loving caring and physically affectionate with both me and my sister and our mom he was responsible consistent and hard-working also silly and fun to be around And those qualities are still things that I appreciate in potential partners today. So I'm guessing that somewhere in my brain, I have made the link between covered hands and silly, laddish humor and the kind of person that I'd like to be in a relationship with. Now, what you don't say, lovely listener, is whether you particularly like the similarities that you see between your dad and your partner. But I'm guessing that as you're still together and those aren't things that have turned you off of him, that you find those things to be positive and attractive. So in conclusion, I would say that in this case, you probably don't have anything to worry about. I don't think it's weird or bad. You don't seem to be drawn to those characteristics because they are repeating a dysfunctional and destructive pattern for you. I think that maybe you've been drawn to these qualities in your partner because they have positive associations for you. Okay, our second question today is also from a listener who wished to remain anonymous. And they said, I met a guy online a year ago. We clicked instantly on the phone, but couldn't meet because of lockdown. We had a lot in common and got on great. We planned a meeting for a few weeks down the line. I jokingly said, oh my God, can you imagine when we meet if one of us doesn't like the other one? Lols. 
without realizing that that was exactly what was about to happen. I just didn't have that physical attraction, but I felt shallow, so I kept it going. We met a few more times because I had to be sure of how I felt. I then broke it off after a couple of months because I just knew I wasn't going to develop any feelings. Then a whole year goes by, which basically involves us going our separate ways several times, one of us getting in touch with the other, conversations starting up again and ending up back in a relationship of sorts. It all ended recently when we had a big fight. So we split up and I'm adamant I don't want him. However, he is perfect on paper. He's kind, sensitive, listens, is willing to change, became vegan because I was, I didn't ask him to, has been there when I needed him to be and has basically been amazing. I just don't feel it. How do I stop myself people pleasing and going back to him again when I know it's not what I really want, but I doubt my intuition about whether I want him or not. I know it's not fair to him. I've told him I'm not on the same page that he is, but he always convinces me that if we just spend more time together, if I'm just more vulnerable and open up to him, if I just do whatever he thinks I need to do, I'll fall in love and it'll all be okay. I know I shouldn't have gone back the first time because I knew then I didn't want him and it wasn't fair, but it's like I can't say no to the attention and I am hooked on this roller coaster. I know I've been mean and I hate that. Okay. So I just want to say right at the top of my answer here that you say that this person is perfect on paper, but you're not dating a piece of paper, baby. (laughs) When people are perfect on paper, that's not reality. We don't date people on paper. We date people in real life. So that may be like all you need to know, honestly. But I also have some really juicy, interesting details for you around this. So stay tuned. So I wonder if what I'm about to say is something you've worked out or even considered for yourself. This person actually sounds quite codependent to me. The way that they are being emotionally manipulative and trying to control how you feel about them and force the existence or control the outcome of the relationship, the way that they've devalued themselves by being there for you, even though you've made it clear that you don't want them in the same way that they want you, the way that they have changed a whole huge part of their lifestyle to match yours. If you're codependent yourself, this will sound very familiar to you because you will have done this to your partners in the past as well. I think that you have been on the receiving end here of some codependent manipulation. And I wouldn't say that you've been mean per se. I think that you've actually tried quite hard to love this person. Obviously, at a certain point, which I think you have realized, this can become cruel because when you know that those feelings aren't going to develop, you're leading that person on. But as I said before, they have also played their part in this by continuing to be controlling and manipulative and keep drawing you back in. The key thing that you need to know here is that you are not shallow for not finding this person physically attractive. You either fancy them or you don't. Yes, physical attraction sometimes can and will grow over time as you get to know a person more or connect with them on different levels. And I don't think it's a bad thing to allow for the possibility of that. But it seems that you have more than allowed for that and it just hasn't happened. Look, I'm sure you don't expect everyone to fancy you. And so why would you fancy everyone? Would you expect or want someone who didn't find you physically attractive to force it and stay with you? No, that would feel awful. And it would be obvious. If the physical attraction isn't there, there will always be a spark or an element of chemistry that is missing. As the person who perhaps for the first time 
has the upper hand in this power dynamic with someone who is maybe more codependent than you, as in you are the one who is wanted more than you want the other person. You have to be the one to do the brave and honourable thing here and end this once and for all. You're right that it's not fair to them, but it's also not serving you. Whilst ever you're faffing about with this person, hokey-cokeying, in, out, in, out, shake it all about, breaking up, getting back together, breaking up, getting back together again, riding the emotional roller coaster for some quick and dirty validation, you are not allowing the mental, emotional, or physical space for you to meet someone who is all the things that you like about this person and is also a total smoke show to you. Oh, and like maybe doesn't have the codependent, manipulative tendencies and the beggy energy of this person. Because let's face it, that's not hot either. You need to make a very cleanly and clearly communicated break with this person. You don't have to be mean, but you must not fluff up the wording, over-justify or over-explain, or leave room for more manipulation. You must close the door completely, not just leave it ajar, which I'm going to bet is probably what you've done before, whether consciously or unconsciously, when you've supposedly broken it off. Because though you aren't attracted to this person, you are attracted to the idea that they want you, which is very common for codependent babies. You need to say something like, look, you're a great person, but I just don't want the same thing out of this as you. It's never going to work for me. And I know this. Please stop trying to convince me. Otherwise, it's over. You need to set that really firm boundary and then block them everywhere. And I mean everywhere all the socials, even your fake stalking accounts, email, phone, text, WhatsApp, all the places. Not because they are a bad person, but because you both need the space and opportunity to heal. And with their manipulative tendencies and your need for validation, if you don't get that space from each other, you will keep repeating this destructive cycle over and over again. And if your initial reaction to me saying that you need to block them is, "Mm, no, thanks, I don't actually need to do that. That seems like a step too far. Let me ask you this. Can you actually just be friends with this person? Is there a way that you can actually safely communicate with them without it getting messy again? Apart from the fact that you just want this cheap validation from the idea that someone you don't even fancy wants you, is there actually a reason for you to be in touch? And no, what if they need me, is not a valid answer to any of these questions. You two needing each other has been very dysfunctional. They and you have other people in your lives who you can call on for support. Stop being a crutch for each other, stop enabling their manipulative behaviour, and do you both the biggest favour by making the space you both need to move on. And our next question was sent in by Winnie. She said, I'm in recovery, but I struggle being authentic with my partner. I feel safer showing up how I truly want to with friends I've made since I started doing the work. But I find myself slipping back into old thought loops and behavior whenever I'm with my partner and older friends. It's like I'm scared to show how I've changed. I feel like whenever I act in alignment with who I feel I am, I feel fake around the people who have known me the longest. Does that make sense? Yes, it absolutely does make sense, my lovely. And you have hit the nail on the head with your question. When you act in alignment with who you know yourself to be now, that feels fake around people who know you as your former people-pleasing self. Those people that you've known the longest might be shocked or feel put out when you change the dynamic between you 
or challenge their expectation of you by doing something like putting a boundary in with them or maintaining a boundary or perhaps saying no to something or not being the first one to offer help. So the reason that you are able to do this with people that you've met since doing the work is because you got to choose who to be with them. They didn't have set expectations of you. So it was easy to play this new role and be this new person. And saying new here is actually a bit of a misnomer because it's actually the oldest, most original version of you that you are being before the coping mechanism of codependency was developed. Hence why it feels in alignment to be that person and out of alignment to be a Cody baby. In recovery, we tend to work on the easiest or most obvious places first. So it's going to be easy for you to practice what you've learned in recovery with your new friends. But now it's time to really put in the work with the people who have known you as the old codependent you. Ironically, it's the people pleaser in you that doesn't want to rock the boat by employing the tools of recovery with the older connections in your life. You don't want to risk that rejection. So you're actually holding yourself back in your recovery. So here are a few things that you need to know. People who want the best for you, though they may be initially a little surprised by the change in tone from you, will be quickly and wholly supportive. They will be glad that you're finally getting some boundaries, communicating more clearly and asking for your needs to be met. People who do not have your best interests at heart, those who perhaps benefited from and enjoyed the fact that you were codependent, won't like it and won't be supportive and won't let it go. They'll try to make you feel awkward and like you should change back. These people, it's okay to let them fall away. You cannot do codependency recovery work without at least some of your relationship dynamics changing and often at least a few of them ending. That can feel scary, but you've already started recovery. There's no going back now. You cannot unknow this stuff. Even if you ditched all your recovery work and just decided to be full-blown codependent again, you would never be fully okay with it because you've had a taste of something different, something healthier and more fulfilling. And losing a few deadweight relationships along the way is honestly a small price to pay for this new level of empowerment and freedom. And getting practice in a few stock phrases that shut down people's bullshit comments about how you've changed and the magical cocked head half smile blank stare technique will really help you out as you transition to doing your recovery work and being a recovery winnie with your partner and old friends. So Come up with some fun stock phrases that you can whip out easily whenever someone wants to point out in a derogative way that you've changed or you didn't used to be like this or in the past you would have always said yes, whatever it may be. You might want to say something like, oh, haven't you heard? I've had an upgrade or 23 year old me called and she wants the version of me that you have in your head back or yeah, I'm so much happier now. Thanks for noticing. Don't be afraid to be a little bit sassy and funny with it. Humor can really help in these situations. It lightens the mood and kind of shows up the other person for how uncool they're being. And the magical stare, that does this very cool thing of letting the other person's comment just hang awkwardly in the air, acknowledged but not validated. Letting everyone involved see and feel just how uncool it is, even if it's just the two of you there. So the way to perform this is... A half smile, so kind of a positive, neutral look. The corners of your mouth slightly turned upwards. The kind of small smile that you might give to a stranger in a lift. And then your head cocks gently to one side, empathetically, and a blank stare right at the other person. 
It takes some guts to do, but it is wildly effective. You'll soon find them backpedaling or trying to explain or justify themselves. When you do these things, you claim space for yourself and your recovery, and you reaffirm your new sense of worth. You are worthy of recovery. You are worthy of respect. You are worthy of living your best, most fulfilled life and having people around you who also want this for you. Okay, my loves, that's it for today. We are wrapping up this episode of the Anti-People Pleasing Podcast. And as always, I just want to give you a quick reminder that my codependency recovery community, Wildly Worthy, is open now. For less than £50 a month, you can get access to weekly Q&A coaching calls with me, as well as my full online codependency recovery course and a community of people who are all on this recovery journey with you. So that means a totally supportive, judgment-free zone. Wildly Worthy is open to all women and female socialized non-binary people. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to, or follow the pod. It helps more people find us and join the movement to have healthier, more fulfilling relationships. Until next time, my loves. You cannot do codependency recovery work without at least some of your relationship dynamic. Fucking hell. (laughs) Relationship.